0: RECORD
1: NERDS! NERDS. Hi. Hey! Hello! Hey, hey, welcome.
2: Uh, Hi, guys. Welcome back from a very, very long break.
1: Yeah, a little hiatus. It's like senior threat is back, so is record nerds.
2: Yeah, that's it. They should. T- <laughs> we should take a picture of us on the minor threat uh, porch.
1: <laughs> we mm-hmm. totally
2: should. Yeah, it's a good idea.
0: And it would be the same amount of aging in that photo since our last episode. That's no, probably that would that make sense. <laughs> oh, But <Zane. Ooh. laughs> um, well, here we are. Here we yeah. are back again, just in time for the holidays.
2: Yeah. Uh, how long's it been since our last recording?
0: I think we a year. Might not want to mention that. No, I think we did <laughs> no. did it back I mean, in May or April. Something.
3: Yeah, like. we did record this year, and I remember that. Oh, okay.
0: Um, but I think that's okay. probably it's before like record store or day. We're twice <laughs> a year.
2: <laughs> uh, I did have someone. Um, reach out and be like oh i found your podcast uh, when are you guys recording again <laughs> and they actually did it last week so i was able to oh nice that thing. yeah yeah make <laughs> it seem like we're working on it at all times <laughs>
3: yeah or that's that we were waiting for one person to yeah. ask yeah is what it was. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> and since somebody came forward we're gonna honor honor it and do it
2: yeah totally <laughs> yeah finally well thank you that one person who asked yes thank been. you <laughs>
1: I'll tell my mom thanks. <laughs> Should we go around and introduce ourselves so people we can remind the folks? Sure. Who we are? Yeah,
2: hi guys. It's Christian. Hello at um, Record Nerds with a Z and then
3: limited to one NYC. That's Trevor uh, at Tingerson. It's Jason at uh, what Spectrum City Records at at Instagram or whatever. Um, but it's, you have to put an underscore throughout everything, unfortunately. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and Mark at MTP 20 on Instagram. Nice, The old gang, hey, everybody. Yeah. We haven't, we haven't been, we haven't, we haven't replaced anyone.
1: Yeah. And <laughs> no. yeah, this we is tra- like a we... special episode as Christian's doing it live from the store. Yeah,
3: it's true. It is, it it is, is live. It's, it I, is
1: I live.
2: Was, so it just hoping. seems weird for customers to come in, and I'm just talking to my computer. That's
0: all. <laughs> just put up a sign that says "No questions for an hour."
1: <laughs> no
2: requests and no music.
1: What'll be great I, is uh, in the middle of the podcast while well, you just say, "I will now sell five, three LPs by the day today.
0: which was just reissued I not
1: that long ago.
3: Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. There's, know, there's. Yeah. Um, a couple more coming too. Yeah. Um, I think their last record is going to be reissued uh, from Zeros to Heroes. Um, and Rough Trade is doing uh, an exclusive color variant of that. So, Interesting.
0: Yeah. I was, well, as I was saying before, I was hoping Dan was going to be here because all this Cardigan's reissue news, you know, I've, I wanted to get feedback. I know he purchased it internationally. But I keep checking uh, Bull Moose for their, the latest tweets on, you know, are they importing them, are they not importing them, are they making them here, trying to it's also, figure out um, my strategy.
3: Very, uh, very, <laughs> it's very weather appropriate as well.
0: Yes. It is, that's that it's, true. <laughs> I think it's in the 20s speaking, here in New York today.
3: Speaking of, of reissues, I um, you know, when, when the Kate Bush box sets were announced, Um, you know, Mark, I don't know if you remember, you and I were having like a lot of back and forth, whether they would be available individually, you know, versus just in the box set. And then you Mm -hmm. found some listings in the UK for like pre-orders. And, um, I was following Bull Moose to see if they would say anything and they didn't. So I, through Twitter, I, uh, I messaged them and then they replied to me and they said, is this really the first time you've used Twitter in nine years, and <laughs> it's to ask about Kate Bush? Because <laughs> 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 I, I had not logged into my Twitter account in nine years, and it, I guess it told them somehow. But um, I was just in London, unfortunately, a week too early because um, I left on Thursday last week, and they were uh, Ariel was just coming out on Friday. But I did um, manage to pick up the red shoes, Um, and so I'm just missing Ariel. And I'm hoping, even though it hasn't been announced here yet, um, I think Box One has been made uh, available individually. So I think it's just a matter of being patient and waiting, and I I think they're all going to come out individually here
0: in the States. Well, plus they had that pop-up store for Kate Bush as well in London. I
3: know, I missed that too. And it was like, um, the line was kind of crazy, but um, I don't know, I don't think it had any exclusive vinyl, but it had cool stuff and it was all for for charity, right? It was, Mm -hmm. um, I think they had like ornaments, they had like buttons and, you know, swag, I guess, for you to buy. But I definitely would have gone and bought stuff. But But again, wrong week.
0: You can't win them all.
3: Nope. No, you can't.
1: <laughs> all right. So, what's the? Uh, I, we don't have any news since uh, we've been gone for so long. <laughs>
0: <laughs> There's too much yeah. news. That's the I know problem. too much
3: news. No, no uh, musician, no musicians died, right? Have, is there anybody that's? I mean, besides like the Buzzcocks guy, um, like nobody big has died, which is yeah, good. Pete,
2: Pete Shelley died. Yeah. Sadly, oh, yeah.
1: Yeah. There's a baby that. in the background. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Apologies. Guest appearance. This is <laughs> instead, of, junior.
2: instead of Dan. This is, who, yeah. <laughs> this is Dan's replacement, <laughs> Penelope. <Yeah. laughs>
1: so, what's this week's topic?
2: Let's talk about uh, what has changed since we started. You know?
0: When did we start? Did we establish that? Yeah, when did we start?
2: Uh, Stand by. I will tell you.
0: (laughs) Where is our internet correspondent when you need him?
1: I'm going to guess off the top of my head. I think it was 2015. Like that Uh, that winter.
0: I'm going to say 16 is my guess.
1: It was
2: three years ago. So 15.
1: So 15. 2015. Oh! Nice. I got it. Uh, it doesn't have an exact time, date. Though. Time just flies by. It yeah. does. It really does. So, three years. What what has changed?
2: Um,
1: wasn't well. There's
2: some news about um, how streaming has actually made vinyl sales go up somehow. Like that they both have been on the rise.
0: I um, am no. I didn't. I didn't. Maybe
1: I'd have, but I mean, anecdotally, I will add that I've bought more vinyl because of streaming. (laughs) Because like I'm like able to test out stuff, and I'm like, oh yeah, I'd buy this record, and then I just buy it. Whereas maybe otherwise, I never would have taken a chance. I think I do the opposite. Where like I won't listen to it
2: until I have the record, and then I'll stream it. Like I just want to wait to play it one sun vinyl before i'll start streaming it maybe i'll
3: no, you tell you what your... I... oh go ahead uh, no uh, streaming's been great for like debating when you're debating about buying like a deluxe reissue that has all sorts of b-sides and outtakes and stuff um you can stream all that stuff and and sort of like determine whether you feel like it's worth it or not before actually having to plop down for this big box set or this triple LP, you know.
0: Well, let me tell you, I was very annoyed because I bought the super deluxe white album a few weeks ago and all of the material is on streaming. So why give people the incentive to buy the big box if you're going to put all the bonus content on streaming?
3: <laughs> well, that's that's what I'm saying. That's what that's what streaming's been good for in in a, in a sense. If you know, again, like if you want to try it before you buy it, because some of the some of the outtakes and demo stuff and I'm, t- I'm not talking obviously about the Beatles, but just in general, some of it can be a little uh, redundant or just interesting. But like you don't have to own forever, you know.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I was not very happy. <laughs> I thought, oh, they'll give you know, they'll have a truncated version. That's what they did for the the Bob Dylan They do with his archive series. But nope, Beatles, it's all there for the taking. Meanwhile, (laughs) I just bought the Super Deluxe CD box. I bought the Super Deluxe LP box. It's all
3: there for the streaming.
0: It's all there for the streaming.
1: Paul McCartney saw you coming, Mark. (laughs) (laughs) So, Mark, you look for, like, exclusivity?
0: Well, no, I just think as a marketing strategy you know it incentivizes people to buy the physical media if it's not available on the streaming I get if it's, true. if it's vinyl but when it's CD there's really uh, at that point you're just buying it for the packaging
1: that is true a lot of the things I've like are now on my want list are things that aren't streaming and I want to be able to like play them mm-hmm. um, so that's a good point so. Jason,
2: did the uh, Metallica stuff? Did was all the B sides and the live
3: stuff? Was that available in the streaming? You know, that's a good point. I I don't know because I haven't really checked on that one. Because um, yeah, because I just I didn't think of checking because I I bought it and I'm gonna play it, so I was like I didn't look. But for example, um, the latest Bowie box set where like one of the big things that's on it is um, uh, I forgot what the album's called. It was one of his very like less popular records from, um, from the eighties. I want to say like never let me down, but it's probably not that one. But um, basically that record was sort of like re-recorded in parts and remastered, uh, you know, post his death by Tony Visconti. And it's, there's a 2018 version of, of that record that you can only get by buying the box set. And I thought for sure that that would be something that they wouldn't have put on streaming because again, you want to incentivize people to pay like one fifty or however much it is for the box set. Um, But sure enough, it was, it was on there and it was cool to listen to, but yeah, it's totally on there. Like everything's on there. So. Mark,
1: I have a question for your, uh, the records you're, you re reissue. Mm-hmm. How does that work in terms of um, streaming? Like, do you also uh, are you in discussion about the the digital rights of those of that material?
0: No, I mean, I would say it's pretty standard for the the label. Uh, they will always keep streaming rights. If you want to do a download card, um, that is sometimes permissible but it's you know it's paying another royalty rate uh you know like it's paying for the same album twice because it's two formats so that isn't very cost efficient um but i would say you know streaming is always kept by the label just because it's easy revenue interesting
1: Um, so I have one a a thing that's different at least I feel eBay I feel like eBay is not the record destination it once was
2: you know what I I agree with that but on top of it it also like it has become the place where you can get deals now and Discogs isn't it's the opposite because less people are on it now so like I've seen a lot of like really great sort of valuable records go for really
1: cheap on there because people don't look at it anymore and then they just go straight to discogs. I totally agree. And like yeah, there's no like um, pricing uh, average or anything like that. So you, you're like people that are just looking to sell a record real quick don't have that information and they're just looking to just unload stuff. Um, but it's One just thing- interesting that it's switched.
0: Yeah, one thing I still like about eBay is that you can see the actual photos. So, you know that it's definitely the version that you're looking for and they just haven't chosen the right uh, the incorrect variant. So, yeah. And that. and
3: I was I was going to say the same thing but the opposite like like the thing that's changed too is like Discogs has come to the forefront now. It's no longer the the second player that some people aren't sure about experimenting with or like using, um, or buying from, I feel like everybody now has, has a, an account has their collection on there and is, yeah, constantly buying from there as well. And on top of it too, um, every single store has an account on discogs that they sell through. So that's a big thing, I think.
1: I mean, how do you feel Discogs are are we liking Discogs still? I mean, compared to what it used to be? Because I feel like they've rolled out a lot of changes lately. Such as? Uh, I mean, they have the shipping, they offer their own shipping now. Um, I mean, one thing that they just added that I love that we were talking about before we started recording was the random button on your collection.
2: Which I still I haven't
0: used feature.
2: that. <laughs> uh, it's so great. It's like a DJ. It's really crazy. I didn't, I like, I guess on the Apple app, it has a little dice or die to roll the die. Like that's the, but on that, I don't have that icon. It just says random item.
1: Yeah, it pull, pulls up a random item in your collection. And it's like, if you aren't sure what to play, you just hit that and it like just brings up. And it's often, like, it's a good way to, like, spin records, like, you haven't played in a long time.
2: Yeah, it's like your own shuffle in your own collection of actual vinyl.
1: Exactly.
0: I don't know. I still, you know, I'm still enjoying the Discogs experience. Um I mean, so I look forward I, to the want list emails every day.
1: Yeah. Like their want list emails have changed to like an interesting like format where it's like tells you if it's like a good deal. Mm-hmm. Like, do you guys have that?
0: Yeah. I'm always confused. Is there, is there a separate category for good deal and great deal or do they, <laughs> do they just do good deal? Cause I'm never sure if I can, if I should wait out for the great deal icon. <laughs> Have you, have you, has it ever sold
1: you on buying it something?
0: Yes, it has. Um, because you know, I'm thinking, oh, well, should I pay this much for it? And oh, it says good deal, so <laughs> surely they can't be, uh, trying to steer me wrong with this. So, what we're it's, learning it's is scientif- that- it's scientific data.
1: Yeah. <laughs> we're learning that Mark is a sucker for marketing. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I still have faith in Discogs.
1: I mean, it is nice because it's like the rare, like they have the rare find too, mm-hmm. which is like.
0: I got like, that this morning, actually. And did you buy? No, I didn't. No. Too expensive. Plus, I think <laughs> it's going to get reissued, so I didn't want to take a chance. That's the other thing. It's like, for these rare records, you know, do I spend the money or, you know, does, is it going to get reissued?
3: What was it? What was it, Mark?
0: Uh, It was the first Camera Obscura record. Oh. Which I I read was going to be reissued, so. Well,
3: I mean, we started this podcast with everything will be reissued. (laughs) Yeah, and I want to say somebody like eight years ago told me that uh, Kate Bush was going to be reissued. (laughs) And boy, it, it took a long time to happen.
0: <laughs> yep, and not by who you thought was going to reissue it. Exactly, but it happened. So everyone can stop emailing me now. Well, so in this reissue world, do we?
1: What are Mark? Are you are you still in the like? You just want a reissue, or or is OG? becoming more of a prize
0: commodity for you. I think it depends on how the reissue is done, you know, if it's uh, if it's properly done with remastering and all that. I I would prefer um, the reissue only because I think the technology has gotten to the point where, you know, the remastering can be done very well and the pressing quality as well um, you know you can you can get original records from the 50s and 60s and they look you know perfectly uh, near mint but it just the uh, surface noise that you get from it that you can't tell by looking at the record uh, can be overpowering whereas with the new pressing uh, you know it's going to have minimal surface noise but I get yeah. from the collectability yeah. standpoint, you know, sometimes OG is king.
3: Yeah, I, I think that some of the remasters and slash reissues have been kind of interesting. Like, I just bought last night, because um, it was so cheap online, the uh, remaster of Peter Gabriel's So. And, like, I got it because I really like that record. And, yeah, I have an original. But in watching a... um like a, it wasn't really a documentary. It was like a cheaply made, like classic albums documentary on that record. Um, I, there was part of it where it was saying that basically for every format outside of the LP, they changed the track order to be what they originally wanted it to be, but that they uh. couldn't do because of the fact that it was when it was pressed on vinyl, Um, there wasn't enough space on the record to, uh, to do it. So, but with this remaster, they were able to put it in the track order that Peter Gabriel always wanted it in. Um, so sounds like, uh, somebody is doing some, uh, inventory (laughs) work. (laughs) Who is that? Me? Yeah, a little, little Discog sale. Oh, sorry.
2: Uh, no, well, uh, a Swedish woman just came in and she bought a Frank Turner and a Kurt Vile record. So there you go. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Oh, nice. What, yeah.
3: what Kurt Vile? Uh, the new one on blue. Oh, yeah. I did look when I was in the UK, I did look for that um, super limited Kurt Vile. Uh, oh, the Dent version? The Dent yeah, version or whatever. yeah, or Dinked, yeah, or something. You know, um, I,
2: I had someone come in the shop and they explained that that's actually a store. Um, and they were trying to combat the, um, the Rough Trade versions. So that's why they made that version. Oh, uh, like, interesting. Yeah, yeah. Because I guess Rough Trade... There's only a few of them in the UK. Okay, here come some more people, guys.
3: Okay, hi. Okay, but anyway, that's
2: that's what happened. Okay,
3: <laughs> that's that's actually um, that's a really good segue into something that I think's changed since we first started. Is and I know I brought this up before in, in, in other episodes, but it's like now it's crazy. Like you can have you can have a record, and, and it can have five different versions of the same record come out. Um, Whereas before it was always, you know, you had a variant and then you had just a regular black wax version. But now uh, as Christian was saying, like you have typically a web store, the artist or label web store exclusive. You have a retailer exclusive like rough trade. You have a subscription service um, exclusive and then other times you can have just different bundles where you know some things are signed or you have a postcard or you have uh, a poster. And I think like overall, it's it's good to have a lot of options. Um, I I will say for me, what it's done is it's actually kind of nice. It's taken the urgency away from. Having to focus and get like one version, it's like now I kind of don't care. It's like, yeah, sure, there is a difference between, uh, you know, the, the web store version being 300 and the other one being 500 and the other one being a thousand. But I mean, at the end of the day, we're just talking about, you know, colored vinyl. It's like, it does it really right. matter? I mean, sure, so, it does, but it doesn't really matter, you know, and like to that.
1: To sort of add on to that, like, one thing that's also, it's always, like, been around, but I feel like but be- with all the variants, it's become more of a thing, is, like, tour variants. Yeah. Um, and then oftentimes those are, like, like not even the most limited, but it's, like, since it's attached to, like, a special event, I guess, like, they're becoming more of their sought-after variants which is just interesting that like, it's not like all of a sudden limited to its, um, limited to the fact how rare it is. It's more like tied to something, some other sort of marketing type thing.
0: Yeah. I mean, everyone, everyone wants exclusivity and, you know, if, if a retailer has an exclusive version, um, You know, they're they're able to market that and, you know, potentially sell more copies than if they were just selling the standard version. So, um, but you've run into the problem of when is it too much?
3: Yeah, and like, you know, there's... It's tricky because I feel like there's certain labels where I really, I understand. So like, you know, capture tracks just celebrated 10 years and they, they put out a whole bunch of colored variants, like reissues of things. And, you know, I, I, I get a label like capture tracks doing it because they're super small and, you know, it's, it's hard to build up a roster that's going to have, uh, tremendous longevity. And, you know, I think like Mac DeMarco is probably their, currently their biggest artist. And he just, I think he left Capture Tracks and he started his own label and his next record's going to be on his own label. So yes, as, as Mac DeMarco continues to evolve, he's going to get new fans who are going to go back and like, you know, potentially buy his, his older records. But You know, Capture Tracks is going to continue trying to create that urgency for people to buy it by coming up with, you know, these random variants that aren't necessarily needed. Um, They are cool for, you know, a collector. Like, I just think, like, Salad Days was just reissued again by Rough Trade on purple. But I think that thing's already had like three or four colored variants. And, know, I can see them doing it forever because you're always going to have new fans that are going to want, you know, a special version of that record, no matter if, you know, if it isn't really that special anymore.
0: Well, and plus, you know, the labels, um, you know, the D to C component is very important to their sales of a record. So, you know, typically they reserve the most limited version for their own site yeah. but but then you know you also have what, to in- have to um you know give something to indie retail because you know you want those stores to do well with the record as well
1: what yeah what is the um what what do we have a, a sense of like what we think is an ideal number of variants and we're and also just are we talking about first pressing variants? Because like obviously, if a record's selling and they just want to like put it out in a different color in a second reprint because they're sold out, that's like I feel like a whole other thing versus like the original like pre-order,
3: right? Uh, yeah, I don't know. I would say like <laughs> I would say the the thing to do, in my opinion, would be to have. You know, no more than two variants plus plus on on black vinyl. Um, so and three for three wh- total, including the black. Yeah, I mean, for a while it was that way. For a while it was kind of like you had you typically had the web store exclusive, and then you had an indie retail exclusive, and then you had the black. Um, and now it's just like everybody is getting into selling records, so the the retail variant is. No longer just indie record stores, as we were joking the other day via text, it's Cracker Barrel, you know, it's <laughs> <laughs> it's it's Target. It's like everybody has um, a, a, a retail version of a, a specific record. Um, and then on top of that, too, you know, uh, subscription services are, you know, I, there hasn't been any new subscription services, but. Um there's plenty out there already, and so you know secretly Canadian will go ahead and have just by themselves will have like three variants of a title because they have they'll do a web store exclusive they'll do the secret society exclusive, and then they'll do an indie store exclusive um and so that's you know that is kind of nuts you know like
0: i think it's a i think it's a positive that. You know, think of how far the format has come since when we started uh, to think that, you know, Target and Walmart uh, have vinyl sections now. Uh, and, you know, look at Barnes & Noble. You know, they're pretty much their entire entertainment section is vinyl. Um, so, you know, who could have foreseen that? would happen and become such a important part of the business, you know, when we first started 3 years ago. And then you look at websites like uh like Jason was saying, Vinyl Me Please and um you know, Reverb LP um which I'm curious to see how that does in competition to Discogs. But, you know, you have new players in the game that have um you know Launched, evolved since since this resurgence began, and I don't see it slowing uh, anytime soon. Yeah, but do you think there's a danger
1: of like oversaturation, Mark? Like with so I do. many freaking variants.
3: Like, I mean, I, there, I just want to. Yeah, I just want to add, Mark. Like, I went to Target to go buy. You know, this is how sad I am. I went to Target to go buy The Guns and Roses Appetite for Destruction on red and <laughs> I'm in, I'm, in, brand, I'm in, baby I'm on the I'm in the most depressing place it's the Atlantic Mall in Brooklyn and uh, I went up to Target and I'm looking around and I can't find it I finally see one that's shoved into a shopping cart with like a, a whole bunch of uh you know, Michelle Obama books and like some other stuff that like, I don't know if somebody was trying to like stock it or organize it, or I don't know what they were doing, but like, I don't know. Like there is something that feels, um, it feels like a cash grab when you go into those places and they have vinyl there and it's not because it's not displayed or, or presented in the right way.
0: Yeah, like, well, I, well I, I, think it's still, I think it's still early enough, you know, f- at least for, for Target, you know, I think they just started getting into it where they're still, you know, figuring out their display, how they're displaying the vinyl. So I would say are give all, it time in that respect.
1: Are all Target exclusives red? <laughs> that, inter- that would
3: be an interesting uh, <laughs> yeah. concept.
0: I support that.
3: <laughs> the appetite was, the appetite was, but that's a good idea like i, mean, I think would... all all spotify exclusives which is also another weird thing uh
1: wait
0: should are, all, so those
1: they, are real like spotify
0: exclusives yeah, are real yeah, they yeah should for be, the they should, for the mccartney record they had one
3: they should be green but they, um, it was green oh was? <laughs> yeah well the um the father john misty one that i got that was spotify was i think orange it wasn't green
0: oh okay well he's and they've, and they've been we doing know him singles. to be difficult they've been doing
2: singles recently too right like yes, this,
0: I believe so. Like, Interesting. A, yeah, they but, have their they have their own sessions. Like, it's called Spotify Sessions or something, where the artist records an exclusive version of a song for the seven inch.
1: And it's That's a seven cool. inch. It's not. Like, is it a seven inch like uh, um, lathe or is it?
0: No, I think it's a regular record.
1: It's a regular record. Yeah. Interesting, but so you don't think, Mark, you don't think at all that there are we're not. There's not um, oversaturation with like a lot of these. And
0: just, no, like... I mean if you look at uh, record store day stats and even black record store day stats, you know you would think you would see a dip uh, from previous years, but every year continues to uh, um, to be an increase from the previous year. Well, that's and I think, uh... you know. Go ahead. Oh no, I was just going to say you know in in terms of. Regular albums, you know, um, I think when we first started this, we were still teetering on that um, place where, you know, some new records didn't get a vinyl release, some did, but now it's like everything, everything gets a vinyl release now. So, you know, it's become an important part to to retail stores uh, and it's, you know, become an important, you know, artist you know, artists, uh, have, uh, you know, um, artists have become aware of it and it's important for them to have, you know, a vinyl release for their album, even, you know, if they're not your typical vinyl artist. Right.
3: That is a positive, a positive change, I would say.
1: Yeah. And like, I think I agree with you overall like for the format I think it's great but as a collector I'm sort of like opposite of Jason now or like kind of in the same camp but like thinking about it more negatively and as a collector I don't it's kind of bum it's kind of a bummer that I'm not as excited to like get the most limited variant
3: yeah I mean that's that's exactly that's exactly where I am the the thrill is gone a little yeah (laughs) And that's like, that's, that's, I think the thing that would summarize my year this year is like, I've kind of, I've slowed down on newer stuff and I'm refocusing my efforts on stuff that is kind of tried and true that I really like that. I know I really
2: like, um, Jason, I have a tendency to agree with you there. I do the same thing. Like I find myself looking for the really, really hard stuff that I've never been able to grab, you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm like in that point now too, where I'm just like focusing on my Discogs want lists rather than like, like. I, there's a few records that I was like, yes, I'm buying this, like the New Boy Genius, like the colored pop up of that. The colored went up for pre-order for Matador, and I figured they weren't going to be doing any other variants, so that was like a must get.
3: But but like the the Kurt Vile that that uh, Christian just sold is a great example. Like I saw obviously I saw that I, he was doing an indie. I know that there was a web store and it looked pretty cool. And then I know that there was the UK dinked uh, version. And like, I was like, Oh, you know, obviously the, the collector in me is like, Oh, I'd like to get the dinked version. But then I, like I did the math and I think it was like 50 bucks or something. And I was like, do I really need to spend $50 on a Kurt Vile record? And I love Kurt Vile. Um, and I was like, no, I mean, I I took comfort in knowing that a I can always get the blue, and that um, at least for a, a pretty long time, and and then I was like, you know, and then I'll I'll roll the dice. I'll see if when I go to the records flea if Matador has a booth, which is always uh, their table is always a mess. But um, if they have a booth, <laughs> I'll get the the web store exclusive if they have any left over. Um, And the only reason why I say they're a mess always is because everybody else is, like, up and running by 11, and they're still, like, slowly setting up and not, like, fully open until about 11.30. And everybody's, like, just dying to get into their boxes, and they're kind of still putting in their breakfast order. So, Mark, just since you seem
1: to be very pro of all this, like, how many variants ideally do you think is good for a record to have first on the yeah. first pressing,
0: Man, put them on the spot. I, um, I, well, I would go with three or four, including the black vinyl. Oh, you know, so that's
1: I, not like, you're not, no, some of these uh, have like 10.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, well, I mean, I feel like the, the more indie artists are the ones that have the more variants. It's not like, uh, Um, You know, I think the, you know, McCartney take, for example.
3: That's a good point. Uh,
0: um, And maybe, all right, maybe he's not the best example to prove my point, but uh, he had um, (laughs) maybe six or seven versions of the new record, um, including, you know, a Spotify exclusive, a Barnes & Noble exclusive. Um, It was very confusing, but... In general, you know, I think the bigger releases because they don't need as much of the exclusive vinyl to drive people to buy the records tend to have less variance. Whereas, you know, the more indie type artists, you know, have an audience that uh, like us that are driven to, you know, seek out the exclusive versions and uh, you can hear the piano being tuned right now.
3: <laughs> I also think that, like, uh, some artists are getting like a little too fresh with like their approach to variants. So, like, it's um, I like it. I wasn't like I don't want to say I was pissed off, but I was like disappointed that like I had ordered the Smashing Pumpkins' new record on gold because on their website it said it was limited to five hundred. And I was like, "Wow, that's an insanely low number for such a big artist." And uh, I was really happy when I ordered it and got it and so forth. And then all of a sudden, the on the description, the five hundred number disappears, and it's just kind of like now it's an open edition of just five (laughs) thousand, yeah, or something. Yeah, (laughs) they just yeah they they took the number away, and it's like you can't do that. You can't sell something. You can't say like limes from Mexico and then, like, turn around and, like, say, limes, you know? Like, you can't just change the description of, like, what it is you're selling. It, that's not allowed.
2: Yeah, I mean, because there were people, a ton of people who bought it for that reason alone, which I was one of them, you know? Yeah. And then I was like, wait, you lied to me. You know, you can't just change your mind and go, oops, you know? Like, think about any other <laughs> any other product where you could do that, you know? Yeah,
3: you it's, could... yeah it's insane. And, like, the whole... Um... They had an indie store release where like I think I don't know if it was fifty or a hundred random would be like glow in the dark. And it's just kind of like that's you know, I've that has happened before and it can be kind of fun. But I think having that been followed up with the gold thing, it just seemed like I don't know, just felt like a cash grab. And then on top of that, you had your Black Friday version, which was two picture discs. It was just kind of like, eh, I don't know. And then on top of that, too, I will say this. My last point about that release, they had an exclusive bundle on their website featuring like three seven inches. And the seven inches just feature front and back, just feature, um, you know, regular songs from the album. It's not even like an exclusive B-side, you know. On each 7-inch So it was all kind of like I'm I'm happy that they're back I'm happy that they're recording I want them to put out records forever But like Just have a little bit of taste When you put these bundles or variants together And how you do it
0: The Oh no, I was just going to say The picture discs are what drive me nuts I can't believe that there is still Such a demand For that format Wait, Harks, like Are you
1: saying ban the picture disc? <laughs> I can get on board
0: with this. I well, you know, I'm not strong enough to say ban them, but I don't think as many releases deserve them as you know. I've seen them come up recently. I get that it's another way to sell the record, but you know, it's especially for soundtracks. Uh, you know, they're they're such, they're so prevalent. And, uh, I, I don't understand it.
1: How many picture books are in your collection or picture discs are in your collection right now, Mark?
0: I think I have more picture books than picture discs in my collection. And they sound, and they sound terrible, right? I mean, that's what people say, right? Them and in the Dark. Yeah. I mean, I think it's improved, uh, another, another change since, uh, we first started, um. I, I don't buy them except, you know, when there's no other version of it. Um, but there usually it eventually is. Uh, case in point when I bought the cure greatest hits ones that came out for Record Store Day and then the regular versions came out after that. But I was surprised to uh hear you know, they sound they actually sounded really good.
3: Yeah. I have about probably about twenty picture discs I would say. And like, I have to say, I'm kind of a sucker for them when it comes to, um, especially like, the cheesier the better, like for like 80s bands or like 80s metal bands, like. And if if it's more than just the record cover on the cover, and it's actually something kind of different, I uh, and they're reasonably priced, I have a hard time passing them up. I don't know why.
0: Trevor, Trevor, I know you hate the packaging.
1: Yes, has that changed at all? Has anybody bought a new picture book or picture that has changed? The
3: the Smashing Pumpkins ones are also in a plastic sleeve, and then the Courtney Barnett from Record Store Day, like, mine have already, like, split. So it's still the same.
0: I've seen some in the die-cut sleeves.
2: Yeah, that's a
3: little bit better. That's a little bit better, like the Cure ones, yeah.
2: I mean, anything's better than those poly sleeves. You know, because those things will, like, stick to the record or ruin it. I mean, they've had, like, full runs of records
1: just, like, are completely ruined by being put in those poly sleeves. So I'll go ahead and say it. Like, ban the picture disc or find better packaging for it. (laughs) Yeah, and then they can put them in, like, the rice paper sleeves or something
2: like that. At least they're not going to, like, get actually worse and worse. I mean, I guess they just want to show off the artwork, so that's why they're in there, but...
1: Yeah, but like Jason, as a designer, like, do you think there's got to be some solution here, right? That, that you could have some sort of packaging that would work. And yeah, look
3: good? yeah. I think the best the best solution that's been presented so far really is just the the die cut sleeve. I mean, with with the picture disc, obviously, you're selling the the art, so you want to maximize the space to reveal the art, and so that's why I think they all go for those plastic poly sleeves but like you know and and those do a good job at showcasing the art front and back but um the die cut sleeve i think is a good fix even though it only shows typically the front um i don't know if they've i haven't seen one where the front and back are both die cut typically it's just the cover is die cut
0: but you have to think of how these things survive in a retail environment. Like, I, I'm always uh, shocked when I see the condition of, uh, you know, the ones that are in the loose, um, the loose um, perforated sleeves. Um, how they arrive at the retail stores, or how they end up looking at retail stores. Um, you know, I, I. Um, I I don't I prefer the perforated uh sleeve just because you can use it as a protective sleeve once you open it but I get the advantage of having shrink wrap in a retail environment just because it keeps the record in better condition.
3: Yeah, I mean if you want to if you really want to see something sad just go to any clearance bin at any Urban Outfitters. And man, those records are like those people like they have no idea how to like handle a record. It's crazy. I mean, like, ugh, they're they have like there's some of them don't even have shrink wrap, and then but they still have like a twenty nine ninety nine price tag on them, like stuck right on the cover. Um, it's just crazy the way that they've handled their their inventory there. It's it's pretty sad. <laughs> well, you know, here's a thing that's changed, and I know it's it's going to be you know a cynical point of view, but uh, I think uh, Record Store Day has officially run out of stuff to release. Yeah, I know. That's been like, you can tell by the list. I mean,
2: there's been some, like, I guess the the amount of stuff that people really need has diminished, and then they've done a little bit of, like, you know, redoing soundtracks and sessions and stuff like that. But
3: Yeah, and I think it's because people are... They, they want, I don't know, I feel like artists or labels want more control over putting something that has been out of print out, you know, reissuing something uh, in a bigger way than just doing, you know, a one-off for, like, Record Store Day. Like, they want to do it, like, for example, like, we'll, I don't think we would ever see any of the Alice in Chains records, the full lengths, reissued for Record Store Day it would always have to be, you know, a proper reissue that they're doing because um, they're just too big of a title to do it any other way, you know?
2: Well, they could do one of those first releases, you know, that people do. So, like, they do a first release and then they do a larger one later, maybe. Yeah, yeah.
3: I'm
0: not sold on those first releases. As soon as I see that. I'm like, nope, don't have to get that.
3: <laughs> yeah, I mean, all, all that is Mark, right? It's just like, hey, it's available now, but it's going to be available in like two months forever, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah, and maybe like it's a different color. I, I think that might be a difference, but
3: all the fir- all the first releases I've seen have just been, again, like it says, just a first release. Like like Harvest Moon was like released at first for Record Store Day, and then. Months later, it came out, you know, and by the millions. Wouldn't it make most sense to do, like, a small run for a different color, and then, like,
2: when they do a larger release, they do, like, two different colors or something like that for, you know, for collector's sake?
0: Yeah, I think that makes sense. At least it gives people a reason to uh, buy it then instead of waiting to get it down the line.
1: Yeah, I mean, I feel like this will be, like, a tipping point um, with, RSD like not having much else to release, and there is stuff out there. It's just more. Do like, are, is the format going to become so popular that like a lot of these like uh like rights issues will be like the 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 opportunity to make money off of an RSD RSD release will like overcome some of these rights issues which are holding back some of these like records that could be reissued for RSD.
0: I mean, I still think there's a ton of, you know, as the years go on, obviously, the Record Store Day releases might feature deeper, uh, you know, not so much as of, of the, uh, you know, the albums that were super... Coveted as far as being out of print or never released on vinyl, you're going to go deeper into uh, those kinds of albums. But also, as anniversaries come, you're always going to get you know releases for important anniversaries. So yeah, it's always it's just going, that the, it's always going to you know carry on.
3: The trend has been like to focus on uh, almost like novelty records or novelty singles and so forth. It hasn't been to like unearth, you know, deep archive, you know, releases that everybody would love to have. It's been kind of, like I said, like these novelty things. Um, Having said that, like, you know, Mark and I lined up this year for, for record store day. And uh, I didn't like, there wasn't really anything that I needed or wanted Think with the exception of like the Bowie live record, but um, I still spent like three hundred bucks, and um, that's kind of like the the conundrum. It's like it's becoming less and less of stuff you need, but you still kind of participate and do it anyway, just because it's part Cause of your DNA. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: Well, and exactly. it's also bringing new people. You know, uh, that either aren't going after, you know, what look we're looking for, or, you know, they're, they, you know, as you bring in new, new vinyl fans, you know, it might be their first record store day. So it's, it's a new experience for them. And yeah, to, you know, I agree with you, Jason, I was surprised at the amount of novelty items, especially for Black Friday you know colored vinyl releases of albums that are widely available already but they sell and you know stores still report that you know it's their most successful day of the year so i think it's that's good for that
1: yeah i think that you bring up a good point mark is it is it more the as as vinyl as a format becomes more and more popular and pervasive to like a mainstream um, is Record Store Day going to focus on uh, appealing to the those masses rather than, like, the diehards who will come just because they're addicted?
2: <laughs> I mean, we still, I, you know, we still had... You know, we didn't carry any of the RSD stuff, but we still had a, a nice flow of people in all day. We did really well that day, you know, and we weren't really carrying any of that stuff. So, you know, like, just a customer appreciation day, you know, I think we did well.
0: Yeah, I think that's another uh, side of it, or, or a result of, you know, how big Record Store Day became with the exclusive releases, is that stores have found a way... To make it unique of, you know, what ex- unique experiences they can bring to their store, whether it's in stores or live performances or selling, you know, used uh, LPs that are uh, hard to find. Uh, so they're not limited to just the Record Store Day items, but uh, stuff, you know, sales, uh, you know, used LPs or new LPs or, you know, whatever they wanted you to make it, to bring in customers and, uh, and celebrate the day.
3: Yeah. It's just, I don't know. It's, I'm going to, I'll tell you the proof is really going to be in, um, to me at least personally in, in this April record store day when that list comes out, because <laughs>
0: that's what you say every year, Jason. <laughs> yeah. Well, because
3: every year it's like the, the amount of stuff that I want has gone down. Down and you know it just keeps on going down and so I'm again I'm just gonna be like super curious like to me it's fascinating that you have a label like Sub Pop with an amazing catalog from the last you know I don't know 20 25 years that they prefer to do exclusives through Newbury and Vinyl Me Please instead of putting anything out for Record Store Day. Um, and it's like I think they prefer to do it because there's obviously more money in in, in Newbury and Vinyl Me Please uh, than doing anything for Record Store Day and like a lot of labels I feel must feel the same way and kind of have been slowly cutting back the titles that they're willing to put available for Record Store Day so you end up getting these random like you know 12 inch singles of a song with remixes that you don't really need or some sort of die cut 7 inch that you don't really need and I don't know I think it's great that things make money it brings people in I do think overall like there is a little bit of um collector fatigue it might not show it financially but I think that people are kind of getting, like like Trevor so eloquently said, the thrill is gone. Like the, the thrill is starting to sort of like wane a little bit when it comes to the variants. It's still there. Like I, I love collecting and I, I love the records I have, of course, and I, I want to keep buying forever. Um, but it's not like I'm not in the same state that I was in, you know, five years ago, that's for sure.
0: So we've discussed what has changed since we first began. What are our predictions of where it goes next and what happens in the next few years?
3: That's big. We're not even just predicting next year like we used to predict uh like releases. We're that, that'll
1: come up on the New Year podcast, but uh We're
3: we're predicting the future of the industry here. Yeah. Who wants to go first?
1: Uh I could go first, I guess. Um, I have a prediction that I think seven inches will become a bigger format and more mainstream. I don't know when, but I think, like, as, uh, as, as all these variants are becoming more, like, uh, pervasive and all these, like, Cracker Barrel (laughs) and other stuff, people will be looking for a different format to have variants for and like we already talked about like mm-hmm. Spotify doing it so i think like it'll just get more mainstream so that, that's my prediction
0: i think i think tapes are are still have still a ways to uh, climb up the the music media chain i don't think you know i think people still treat it as a novelty item but when you look at sales of them it's incredible to see that you know they're increasing as well so, you know, I was I was one of the ones that discounted uh, their viability and and thought maybe, you know, it, they they would have gone away by now. But um, you, I see them more and more with with uh, both uh, catalog releases as well as new releases. So I, I think when Christian maybe, started
1: tape nerds, you yeah. laughed. <laughs>
3: I mean, I love tapes. I just wish that they were a little bit more exclusive and that they were maybe a little bit cheaper.
2: Yeah, I know. Like, paying 10 to $20 for a cassette is still kind of
3: crazy to me. Yeah, me too.
1: Yeah, Christian, have you had any tapes, like, like ruined? I know when you first started collecting them, you had one that got, like, eight up in a tape machine, but...
2: Yeah, I mean, I have a tendency like if they're if they're a little bit more expensive, I'll only play them a few times. You know, I mean, I have like a an original Rage Against Machine demo. You know what I mean? Like that thing's like worth like four hundred bucks. Like that's I, insane. You know, like I'm not gonna. <laughs> I'll play it once, but if that thing gets eaten, I'm gonna cry. I mean, we had the I have that Hot Hot Heat demo, and that thing got eat, eaten, but we fixed it. So I, I kind of learned my lesson and being a little bit more careful about it.
3: My my prediction for the for the industry for the next few years is there is going to continue to be a a mass proliferation of exclusives, and um, eventually it's going to saturate the market, and there is going to be um, a bit of a backlash. I mean, you kind of see it already to a degree, where like, um, you know, you, you. After Record Store Day, 24 hours, I think Dan sent a link to uh, the Bowie Now RSD title on white. And it was like, there were like 80 copies for sale starting at $10 or something like that on Discogs. And um, I feel like uh, people have to be, uh, retailers have to be, uh, and, and the people who own the licenses do these things. Have to be a little bit more selective with what with what they release in terms of quantities. Already, like, you have something, which, again, it's cool, but, like, you just have to keep an eye on it. Like, now the latest trend, which I, I like, is actual individual record stores are putting out their own variants. And I know, like, Rough Trade's been doing this for a while, but the new low record had, like um, – I think it was electric fetus in like Minnesota did where the band's from did an exclusive variant, um, for that record. Uh, Christian sent me, uh, uh, easy street records. I think it's ex- exclusive for, uh, the two green river reissues that sub pops doing. And like, I jumped on it. I love that type of stuff. But again, like people just have to be careful because if you just keep on adding too many to the mix, you know, like people are going to stop caring, I think.
1: So are you saying the, uh, the bubble is going to burst? It's going to pop?
3: Yeah, I, I think it is going to pop. I mean, it's it's going to pop. Um, it's going to pop for for newer bands. It's not going to pop necessarily for older bands. I mean, listen, the, the day that Tool puts out their discography in any color, in any, you know, variant number. It doesn't matter. You could put out opiate in like twenty different colors. People are gonna buy everything. They're gonna sell it. Um it's it's I think like the newer bands that are kind of starting out and where like five years ago they would put out one variant. Now there's, you know, they're already they are starting off already with like two or three variants. And it's kind of like I think it's hurting, Um, I think it's gonna hurt them in the long run because, um, you know, it's just, it's too much to start off the gate for you to have your own variant, your Bandcamp variant, you know, your Vinyl Me Please variant. It's like, um, nobody cares that much yet.
2: I mean, I think that if, uh, if an artist does that's only going to help them in the beginning you know because they'll get people interested and maybe they're like variant collectors and they'll buy a bunch of different versions of it or something you know um but you know what i see most is like just like different new artists a lot of, like hip-hop artists and that and, like eminem just released a limited to a hundred glow in the dark thing like one just sold online for a thousand dollars you know like imagine if like uh, kanye west or one of the larger artists did a like limited variant of one of their records you know what i mean it would get so many people involved in that's nuts you know
3: yeah but but that was my point like for like like you know eminem is a, a legacy artist i mean he's been around for i don't know like 15 years now or something like You cut jason you're cut you cut out a little bit i'm sorry oh man. sorry. Yeah, no, I was just saying that that was, my, that was my point in the beginning. Like for for a legacy artist, I feel like it doesn't really matter because the fan base is there and like they will go and buy it. But for newer artists that are just starting out and they have, again, like three variants, I just feel like it kind of... Um, you know, waters it down going, or something. Yeah, it's like, I don't know, like you guys love like Pine Grove and it's like, grab, like, Pine Grove's first record, and like, let's just say in the next five years there's going to be, like, four variants of that first record. Uh, it's kind of like, of course, people are still going to seek out the first variant, but it's going to take the uh, the edge off. It's going to take the fun off of trying to track that first variant down. Yeah, I mean,
2: but if you look at a label who does, like, many variants, like a, like, no idea... Like, what they're trying to do is keep it in, like, keep it pressed so anyone can own it, you know? I mean, I think what they should do is just keep it one color and not keep redoing it over and over and over, but that's just how I would do it, you know? But, like, you look at a band, like, Against Me, there's, like, 28 represses of Reinventing Axl Rose, you know, like, probably even more, you know, but people still buy that record because they love
0: it.
3: Yeah, I mean, and, and but that's, like, my thing, like... uh Relapse is going to forever keep on pressing Mastodon records because they don't have Mastodon anymore, you know? And so it's like, hey, let's just keep on milking this and just keep on repressing it. And yeah, it will sell, but, like, at a certain point, it's like, I think when you get to the 20th color of Leviathan, I don't know. I just don't think people are going to care anymore. But that's me.
2: Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I I really think that, like like since hip-hop has become the new pop music you know like thank you um you know you have to look at what they're doing and how that's going to affect sort of a younger demographic of people who are buying records you know like and i mean the one thing i noticed is that like they charge a lot more for their vinyl for some reason i don't know why
0: hmm.
1: yeah it's interesting um christian do you, did you have predictions for the next couple of years
2: I know I think it really has to do with hip hop like I think that like since hip hop has become pop music like it's interesting to watch how they're dealing with um, vinyl you know they're getting into it for the first time they're pressing it and they just started realizing that they're pressing it in limit limited variants like because they're like let's say if we attach it to like sneaker culture, you know, like they're into limited you know runs and 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 they know what sort of the resale game is on that, you know, and now there are hip hop records that are like all of a sudden worth two, three hundred dollars because people are involved in it. Like if you look at the there's like a, a vinyl me please version of Earl Sweatshirt record that's worth like three hundred bucks. You know what yeah. I mean? Like suddenly they're getting into the the game, so to speak,
3: you know, and then which is is crazy because talk about a genre that is like that's it started off because of vinyl. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, totally. It was one of the like five main things we're DJing, you know, like, and now like they're getting back into it in a way that like I mean I I don't know if you guys know this, but there was like so Travis Scott. Did a collaboration with uh, some with some artist. It might be like a designer or something, and he put out a compilation that has like a leather cover, and then they sold it in Europe for six hundred dollars a record, right? And now the only ones that are sale are over two thousand dollars, and they limited them to five hundred copies. You know what I mean? Like, think about that in, like, just terms of, like, if a rock band made a record with a leather cover and then charged $500 for it, you know what I mean? Like, no one would buy it, but they did it, and now it's worth all this money and everybody wants it. You know what I mean? So, like, I really, like, imagine if Kanye West decided to do a limited to 100 record. Just imagine that for a moment. You know what I mean? Like that would change the vinyl game for a lot of people, you know, like a lot of people, that's,
3: would, you know, what that's I mean? really interesting. Yeah. So you're saying your prediction is that actually uh, the limited records, specifically in your example with hip hop, it's going to become a real luxury item. I mean, like it, a, it could be, or no, I don't, that's really that, interesting. Didn't they that's
1: just do that with, um, the childish Gambino? Wasn't there like a, $500 deluxe version or something.
2: I know that there was an expensive one. I don't know if it was quite that much, but there is definitely like a Travis Scott leather bound that sold for 600 euros. Um, that only goes for like $2,000 now. And like Eminem did a limited to 50 signed glow in the dark or something, and one just sold online for like $1,200. $1,200.
3: Hey, you know, we were we were all laughing at first at that Wilco best made box set. Um but that sold out, you know, and that was like a grand, you know, yeah, for yeah. for five records, granted they were signed, but five records in a wood box.
2: Oh yeah, that's right. Um yeah, and and honestly, like if people continue to do that, you know, and especially like start to hit the market that cares about limited runs like you know when they what they do with with sneakers you know like it could change the game completely you know what i mean like it really could just like if the if you get like a bunch of kanye west fans looking for a limited vinyl who knows how many people that'll get into vinyl Records and it it might just change the game generally, you know.
1: Do you think Do you think that's just a web only type thing, or do you think there'll be like retail opportunities with that?
2: I mean, there might be. I mean, what they do is they do it like they do clothing, where they'll release a limited press. Uh, it's like what happened with Frank Ocean and Blonde. You know, I mean, look at that record. I mean, that's a really good example of how how much influence these artists have currently like if you look at how many people own Blonde I mean it's in the 3,000 like on Discogs and it still goes for over 300 bucks you know like can you name another artist besides like Tool that has recently put out a record that's limited to 10,000 copies and it still goes for over 300 bucks
1: I love the dichotomy of those two, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, uh, artists next to each and, other,
3: and and the tool hasn't even done it yet.
1: Yeah, no, no, I know,
2: yeah. but like that's. But I'm saying, the Tool did that. You know what I mean? Like, un, um, Anima, Anima, whatever, however you pronounce the the record. I mean, that was produced probably 10 to 15,000 copies and they're still going for 300 plus, you know, like a sealed copy sold for a thousand dollars online. You know what I mean?
3: You you think that that many were pressed of that? I do. I really do. Yeah.
2: Like, I I mean, Mars Volta is the same way. I mean, the Mars Volta, they did like 10,000 copies of those, those records and they still go for that much.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Do, Do you think, uh, um, running with your idea. I guess my question is how much longer before a store like Supreme has a limited variant.
2: I mean, yeah, of course. I mean, it could be any time now, you know? I mean, if I were them, I would have done it already. I mean, but you see bigger artists are doing it now. I mean, like Migos had three variants for their record. You know what I mean? Like there is there is a, a like a SoundCloud a band called Suicide Boys out of New Orleans And their record goes for $100 And the only place they sold it was on their website You know, like, it's as simple as that Like, if you start collecting that stuff now You know, in five years, those artists are still gonna they may, Even if they're not around, people are still gonna love those records You know, so you're getting a whole new category of music listeners that are into that stuff you know just like they they shop for supreme stuff it's the same way you know
3: yeah i think that the the i think the hip-hop angle is kind of like it's key to like your to your argument because i also feel like they are um they're into spending money on on luxury items and like if the if the album is packaged and sold as a luxury item, they'll totally do it.
2: I mean, but you're talking about like record collectors as compared to people who just like have the mindset of getting stuff because, you know, like that's it. Yeah. yeah. You know, I mean, I am sure that there are, um, you know, hip hop records that have come out in the last five years that are still going for, you know, there, I swear there's a Earl sweatshirt a record that came out in 2015 that was uh, limited to a 1,000 copies, and it goes for like between 150 and $200. You know what I mean? And I'm looking at the stats right now, and over 400 or almost 400 people have it online, you know, which means that maybe it was limited to 2,000 copies or 1,500 or something like that. You know, there aren't a lot of artists that can release something in that large and still be worth, like, almost 200 bucks? You know what I mean? And this is three years old. You know? So, I mean, I just think it's interesting to have, like, that hip-hop could could really change the scope of collecting if they, depending on how they move forward, like artists and and labels.
1: No, I think that's... That might be the uh, that might be the prediction that makes the most sense, like out of all of us. Yeah, I mean, but just because well, it's like you're right. It's I mean, it's so ripe for it. Yeah,
2: and I mean, you really think about it. Think about if Kanye West did a limited to 500 LP. I just like imagine what that what that would stir. Like there would pe- there would be people who don't collect records at all that would be hunting for it. You know what I mean? And who knows how many people will go out and buy a record player so they could listen to that record on vinyl. You know what I mean? Like, that would open up, I mean, that could like blow everything up, you know?
1: Yeah, and that's like sort of like speaking to what Mark was talking about earlier with record store days like, pulling in these people that normally don't buy vinyl. Yeah. And, like, really, like, introducing them and getting them into a store. But, like, I think opposite, though, like, this opportunity might be pulling people not to a store, but not to a record store, but into other sort of retail environments. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah, it it is. It is, in the end, a marketing piece. Agreed. Mm -hmm. Um... Yeah, so why don't we talk about some of the new stuff we got, guys? I'll go last. (laughs) All right, well, it's been a while since we've done this, so I I feel like we've accumulated so much. Um, uh, For me, I think the most recent stuff has, as I mentioned before, has been, like, the Beatles, the White Album anniversary releases, uh, the John Lennon Imagine releases. Um, So this... This year, this time of the year for me has been big box set time, uh, and you know I really have enjoyed the White Album releases. I think it's the best Beatles anniversary release yet in terms of bonus content and the stereo remix of the actual album. Uh, and there are still more uh, Beatles-related items to come out, the Paul McCartney solo releases. So it's been a very good time. To be a Beatles fan but also been a very expensive time so that's that's what I would uh, single out for my most recent picks.
1: (laughs) That's like your uh, whole existence right Mark as a Beatles fan?
0: I mean it's you know I love it but it's almost too much in too short of a time period you know I could have used a break in between just to enjoy and savor the releases You know, rather than, uh, you know, the Beatles thing came out in November, the Lennon thing in October, the new McCartney album, and then the solo McCartney releases now. It's a bit much. Not that I'm complaining.
1: I guess I'll go next. Um, So I have my collection pulled up here um, just to see what I've gotten recently. Uh, I got... um, Giants, uh, instrumental band, they, the undeserving. I got the tour variant, um, at a shop in, uh, Salt Lake city. Actually, I was there for a conference and, um, was just like flipping through the bin and lo and behold, a want list item appeared. It was amazing. Um, I got the new boy genius, uh, color, which just came out a couple like a month ago at this point now. Um, and then one other Big shout out that I finally closed out my MXPX. Uh, I got Teenage Politics on Light Blue, uh, which I was super pumped about. It's been on my want list forever, and oh, and I also got uh, the Bully uh, seven inch, their first EP um, from limited to one. Actually, uh, I got that recently. So those are, I would say, are a few of the um, few of the the highlights of the
3: last few months go us so yeah uh, recently like as i mentioned i was in london and i got um the kate bush reissue i also got the stephen Malcolmus uh latest record sparkle hard i believe it's called on silver because um the uk had a special variant and then some random things that i've gotten um recently is um uh, let's see the Guns N' Roses Appetite for Destruction, <laughs> the, the red. Um, I also, uh, the, from a recommendation too from, from Christian uh, Idols, Joy as an Act of Resistance, I got the uh, Vinyl Me Please exclusive, which was cool. And, um, and then a friend of mine sent uh, me some French variants to uh, a couple records that I really like. Um, one is uh, Saint Germain Tourist. On clear and then uh, Phoenix alphabetical on white.
2: Oh nice. I think I need to get a new I, I think I traded my white Phoenix away and now I need a new one. Dude, so so do you wanna give me oh, yours? Man. Okay, great. Thanks. Perfect. <laughs> okay. I'll bring level. it over. Perfect. Um what have I gotten? I've gotten the world and more. Um I honestly like I'm looking at my Instagram. Uh, I've been like trying to get some classic punk rock um, staples, like really hard records to find. And I've also, for some reason, have been like going back and finding all these like 90s screamo bands. Like I've gone back and gotten all the reversal of man stuff and Asshole Parade and Ampere and Orchid and all that shit. Um, and I've been kind of obsessed with getting those demo tapes, um, so I've been working on those a bit. Um, there's a few more I need, some of, like, the Ethel Meserve and that sort of stuff. Um, I got a blue copy of Jawbreaker on Fun, which I've been looking for for a fucking lifetime. Uh
1: so jealous. I know,
2: sorry about that. Um... <laughs> But I, you know what? Here's the good news: is I'm still looking for a clear version of that. So if I ever get the clear, I'm going to sell the blue in the shop. So I'll let you know when that happens, Trevor. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Um, I guess uh, the I guess the the few big biggie biggie ones I got as far as the punk rock stuff goes is I got like uh, the, I got a Germs Lexicon Devil. An original. I got a Black Flag, Nervous Breakdown, First Press. Um, I got a clear version of the compilation to Misfits. I got the Negative Approach with Linda Blair face on it. Um, and I got a Misfits Night of the Living Dead original. Um, I'm still like three or four copies of Misfits records from being done. I don't know if I'll ever get it, but we'll see. I don't know. That's about it for now.
1: Three or four, that's it? Yeah. Well, two singles and two full-excited. All right. I guess that closes out uh, our first podcast in a while. (laughs) In a hundred years. Okay, guys. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Yeah, thanks. Good to be back. We did it.
0: Record is produced, recorded, mixed, and engineered by Mark Perode.